0: Welcome to GodPod Twenty Five. Welcome to GodPod. This is a podcast from St Paul's Theological Centre in London, based at Holy Trinity, Brompton. Mike Lloyd and Jane Williams join me, Graham Tomlin, in talking about theology, life, God, and just about everything else. Well. (laughs) We're all here around the table this morning And uh, it is still this morning So welcome to Jane Good morning Good to see you again And of course to Mike
1: Morning Graham Who wears
0: another of his uh, wonderful clerical shirts on this oh, morning
1: I do It's it's
0: um, a, a cerise and
1: gold stripe I, When I saw the material for this, the fabric for this um, I said it's very nice but I couldn't use it Because people think I'm kind of wanting to be a bishop or
0: something <laughs> They said, oh no, it's not purple, it's cerise, cerise. So it's fine, I'll have it this is, this is it. Well, it's quite striking, it has to be said. Yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah. So I think the um, listeners are having their imagination is running riot at this moment, trying to imagine a cerise clerical shirt, but um, cerise and, the, and gold stripes. Cerise and gold stripes. And, stripes are and his, I, I think vertical. the stripes are very yeah. important. They are, yeah. And they and the are grey. Stripes. There's a bit of grey in there as well, isn't there? No, that's the, you're looking up. That's <laughs> <laughs> a reflection. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we also have a special guest today, who is Matthew Frost who is Chief Executive of Tear Fund. So Matthew, welcome to GodPod. Thank you very much, Graham. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you with us. And uh, today uh, we are looking at issues of justice and poverty and wealth, and particularly looking at the question about whether Christian faith is just about personal salvation, or is there is it right for Christians to be involved with questions of poverty and justice? And uh, What do Christians think about wealth has wealth? Distracted the Christian Church in the West from being what it ought to be we're going to be talking about um, a number of issues around something called the Micah challenge, which uh, Michael going to be speaking a bit about later on and mm-hmm. um, so we'll find that in a moment, but just uh, before we do that um, Jane has been having a bit of fun this last week um, And because she was she was judge apparently on for the Michael Ramsey Prize Which is a prize I think for Christian books for religious books over the last year is that right?
2: It's um, awarded every two years, and it is for a book um, that is of theological excellence, but um, with a particular um, desire to, to benefit the church. So it has to be good theology, but also something that will actually make the church feel better. Okay. so you, it, you
1: think good theology
2: won't Well, So, so what I mean so. is, we, is the prize isn't awarded for a straight academic book, a okay. commentary on... Okay um hebrews 1 3 unless that has particular relevance for all church people
0: okay and uh so you were judged for this last week is that right
2: this week yes we awarded the prize on tuesday at the christian resources exhibition
0: so was it was it a a kind of big um argument as to who was going to win this or did everyone pretty well decide on The same thing?
2: It was a very strong shortlist, and um, I do hope that if you come across this shortlist, that people will try to read all the books on the shortlist because it was really difficult to award the prize. But the book that won in the end was one that we all agreed on um, with a bit of fighting. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And it's a, a book called What is the Point of Being a Christian by Timothy Radcliffe.
1: And, 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 and what was the fighting about, Jane? And who was well, it between? Because f- <laughs> you and Roan only had one
0: vote. So, <laughs> so, yes,
2: some of the fighting was between Roan and me. That is true, because, yes, we only have one vote so that the Williams family doesn't overwhelm the judging panel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yes, Roan and I did have to go out of the room and have a private conversation <laughs> at one point during the judging so that we could agree our vote. But we did agree our vote. Um, I think the, the fighting was really because, as I say, it was a very strong shortlist with very different kinds of books. There was a book on... Um, the Christian View of, of the Embryo, for example, hmm. and a book on the theology of the temple, um, and uh, a book on uh, Christian Margaret, ethics. Margaret Barker? Yeah.
0: Okay. Not so, Dan Brown.
2: No, not Dan Brown. <laughs> he didn't get so it. we weren't comparing like with like in any way, which always makes it very, and, uh, very difficult.
0: what was it about um, Timothy Radcliffe's book that you think made him win?
2: Um, I think it was a, a mixture of things. I think it was partly... The quality of the writing—it is an incredibly readable book, and partly a sense that um, this is um, a book that actually is a really hopeful book, not not sort of stupidly optimistic, but actually makes you feel there is a point in being a Christian. Mm. And one of the things um, the book says in the in the introduction is that we're not trying to market christianity we're not trying to say you must be a christian because it will do this that and the other for you because mm. actually the point of being a christian is god <laughs> um, mm. if god is true then that's why you should be a christian mm. but then it looks at what consequences that has for us in the way that we live mm. in relation to each other in the world
0: that's what struck me about it i think when i read it was So it was very good at um, and sometimes you can read christian books and it can make you feel like the christian world is a sort of separate parallel universe yes. to, to, to the rest of of life and and um it's kind of hard to make the connections between the two but it was a book that did those connections very well i thought and, mm-hmm. and you're constantly making you think in new ways about the way we operate as a society the way we operate sort of politically and socially but also on a personal level as well and the way in which christian life is lived in 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 real life situations and so um it was actually surprisingly good at that you know compared to a lot of christian books i've read so brilliant um, i think yes yeah. i
2: mean one of the, the sort of little insights for example which i found profoundly helpful was that Christianity starts at a point where we actually have no story to tell about the future anymore at all, the cross of Christ, mm. when all the stories that people were telling about their possible futures collapsed. Because we had hoped. We had hoped, and it mm. didn't happen. Mm. Um, so Timothy Radcliffe says, Christians are, um, are good at crises. Mm. Um, and mm. expect that out of crises will come God's new initiative. Yeah. We oh. don't panic at crisis. We don't panic at crisis, do we?
1: <laughs> no, no, Jane,
0: we don't. <laughs> so uh, there is a, a, a good book recommended from uh, God Put and, and, and also the Michael Ramsey Prize. Sorry, um, yep, do, do give good it a plug. On. Yep, yep, yep. So That's I want
1: to know whether it gets any money, whether he gets any money for it. Yes,
2: actually, quite a lot of money. I can't remember how much, but of course, being You're a Dominican, it will go straight to his community quite rather right. than well, to it's him one personally. Of these
1: annoying things where if you, because it's a Christian rise, you kind of expected to give it away or something. Like <laughs> no, something no, it's been very generously like that, you funded,
2: yes. <laughs> so it is actually worth having. So write your oh, next yes. book quick, Mike.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or quickly. But then you have to <laughs> give it all to oh, the St Paul's <laughs> <theoretical laughs> Centre. Isn't that right, Mike? Uh, yeah, mm, indeed, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, recommend getting that book. It's.
2: Do we know who publishes it? Uh, Continuum, I think. Great.
0: Good. So um, there is our little uh, book review slot, and we're going to try and do uh, the little book review from time to time on GodPod. So um, in future GodPods, you might um, get some other suggestions of books that would be good to read. But um, today, as I say, we have uh, Matthew. Here from Tier Fund, which is um, a great privilege for us to have uh, you here, Matthew, with us. And uh, we're going to talk today a little bit about around issues around this thing called the MICA Challenge. So um, mm-hmm. tell us a bit more about what the MICA Challenge is and your involvement with it. Hmm. Well, the MICA Challenge, it was uh, obviously inspired by uh, MICA uh,
3: and particularly MICA 6-8, uh, which is... Um, Uh, which says, uh, what does the Lord require of you to act justly, uh, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? And within that context, what Micah Challenge is really trying to do is help Christians and be a a loud shout to Christians in this country and the world over, uh, that justice issues, uh, especially justice issues as it relates to people in poverty, is something that ought to be a mainstream and integral part of what it means to be a disciple, Mm. a concern for those issues. Uh, And I guess to challenge us all uh, to how can we more actively as part of being a disciple of Christ uh, do things that are um, tackling justice um, issues head on that are uh, working uh, to alleviate the lot of people in absolute poverty. Um, and that's very much the goal of it overarching and there are various organizations who are involved in the mica challenge. Is that right? Yes, yeah, so well Henry UK the um, uh, So we have um, uh, ourselves are involved here uh, fund world vision mm-hmm. another um, large mm-hmm. Christian development organization Christian aid are involved mm-hmm. uh, As well as a number of other organizations like Shaftesbury, mm-hmm. um, but HTB and alpha are also involved So there's a whole group of uh, folk yep. from different um uh, walks have come together and said, you know, we must do something we must we must mm. give a loud shout to Christians to yeah. say come on uh, yeah. Surely we should be doing something more um, But particularly the thing we want to get people to do is to is to campaign yeah. uh, And of course one of the great things of this country is that uh, the UK has done It has a tradition of churches and Christians standing up and campaigning and in many ways It's kind of led the world on this yeah. others kind of look to us um, but the reality is there could still be so much more could be done, uh, and that's very much what we hope to do, is to encourage others and more people to campaign mm. on issues of justice. But the, the one other thing to note is it's not just in the UK. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, we're, we're setting up these micro all around the world, and the particular thing we, we're, we're doing now is there's 30 of them in 30 different countries. And the majority of them are from southern countries, poor countries, African countries, uh, Latin American countries. And the idea really is to bring this collective voice of Christians and churches, local churches around the world together, uh, to speak out with one voice on issues of poverty and justice. Mm. Mike?
1: Because, well, it's just, um, you say that, you know, we have a good tradition of, of campaigning, and that, you mm. know, in terms of history, we do mm. with force and all of yes. that. Um, we're not so good at it today. I was listening to um, Anne Widdicombe speak the other day, and she was saying, you know, why is it that uh, hunting can bring quarter of a million people onto the streets of London to protest? And... A whole mass of other issues, you can't get the church to muster them more
3: than a few hundred. Mm.
1: But um, but
2: if you think about the Jubilee 2000 campaign, yes, that was and that was, the mm. Make a Chain to Break the Chain and
3: and Make Poverty History yep. and Stop yep. Climate Chaos. I mean, I think the yes, I think apart you're right. <laughs> no, no, I think, the Romans done for us. Mike, I think you put your you put your finger on the issue because I, I think that's exactly my perspective too. I, I I don't look at the UK today and think. That's the answer, but I do look at the UK for hope, okay. um, and I think both the, tradi- the tradition of clearly the Wilberforce and the Clapham sect and so on is mm-hmm. really inspiring, but I think we're still a long way short uh, of each of us, uh, you know, Christians standing up and saying, uh, standing up, you know, acting justly, loving mercy, that being an integral part of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. We're a far cry from that still.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, you, Matthew, you're… Um, you head up Tear Fund, which mm. originally was the Evangelical Alliance Relief Fund, wasn't it? I don't know whether it still very has good. That, um, very yeah. good, but we uh, do. We've, we've kind of that's in the past. Yeah, um, I know my history of <laughs> these things. Um, but I guess it's a movement, or it's, yeah. uh, it's an organisation that came yeah. out of the evangelical part of the, yes. the church. And I suppose one of the the questions around that would be that it's certainly f- for a lot of evangelicalism. There is a very strong focus, of course, on personal salvation. Yeah, and. Um, that has been a bit nervous about ideas of justice and social involvement certainly one of the questions I think that's mm-hmm. come in to us is um, this one here isn't Christianity about personal salvation So why be concerned with with, with poverty mm. and uh, there would be those who would say well if our destination is um, uh, To go to heaven to be with, with, with Christ uh, Does it really matter? Mm. To be engaged with issues of poverty here. Is mm. it not is it the heart of Christian faith not really about personal salvation to be uh, Rescued from this world rather mm. than than actually engage with these kind of issues. So isn't it a bit mm. of a sideline?
3: Well, that, I think it's it's very interesting that question was right because I think that's the thing I've been wrestling with and I think I've gone on a huge journey in the last few years on this issue uh, when I first came to London a number of years ago, that was really my understanding of what it meant to be a Christian. It was all about justification by faith, uh, full stop. Uh, and so it was about personal salvation uh, and nothing more, really, than that. But the the last few years, um, firstly before with Medair, but now with Tierfund, the thing that's really um, struck me um, is is going back to what does Christ actually command of me? Uh, and what I've really I think the thing I've been really struck by is that in Matthew 28, what we're called is to make disciples. Um, And that kind of then begs the question, well, what is a disciple? And are you a disciple? It's jolly difficult to make disciples if you're not a disciple. Uh, And so what is a disciple? So then I find that that Great Commission kind of throwing me back on the Great Commandments, uh, the Great Commandment of love God, love neighbor. Uh, and the more I've reflected and meditated on that, and particularly in um, in in the Luke rendition of that, where we have the Pharisee uh, asking the question, who is my neighbor? And then the, good, the whole parable of the Good Samaritan following, really wrestling with that issue. Well, you know, what I'm called to do is, yes, love God, um, but also I'm called to love my neighbor. Uh, and actually that is uh, very much in the context of uh, what the gospel is, which yeah. is the good news of the kingdom, the reign of Christ now in my life. And so there was a really strong message suddenly emerging about the here and now in my life today mm. before I hopefully, uh, well, God willing, will mm. make it to heaven. So it's all about the here and now, the kingdom as well, mm. and my role in it. And of course, that's what the whole Sermon on the Mount seems to me it's all about. It's a Sermon on the Mount that is ch- challenging me about how do I, what, is it, what does discipleship look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and so suddenly there seems to be, to be a huge relevance to the here and now as well. Yeah. I
1: think the um, you talk about the kingdom, and of course that yeah. was the the main bulk of Jesus' yeah. teaching was about the kingdom, the, kingdom. the preaching the kingdom. Um, and a very helpful thing of Hans Kung's is that the the, the, cre- the kingdom is creation healed. Yes. So it's it's to say personal salvation. Of course that's part of it, but but it's much bigger project than that. Exactly. It is the putting right of the whole of universe creation. that God has made, the whole cosmos. God so love the world. Uh, and um, to see personal salvation within that huge v- mm. vision of new heavens and new earth or res- restoration of the whole uh, created order seems to me to be um, a far more exciting mm. uh, and B to do justice to the fact that we human beings are not discrete individuals that's part of what mm that kind of isolation is what we're being mm. saved from yes. we, we, we are in relationship with one another mm. we're in relationship with our society and our culture but also with our environment um, and that seems to be mm. embedded think, within the, the
3: the message of the kingdom i agree and i think the fear has been very understandably that if we all go rushing around just doing good very quickly if we're not careful it becomes uh, a kind of a social project that is mm. disconnected and no longer rooted in uh, in what it means to be a disciple, uh, it, it's no it's, it's no longer rooted in um, uh, in the love of love of God as reflected in Christ. Uh, but that's the—but that's so sad in a way because I mean I've just come back from Delhi um, uh, where I've just seen the most amazing things going on, um, and you know, Tiffan, the, the one thing we're really passionate about is seeing local churches yeah. being the answer to. Physical and economic poverty, rather than just a bunch of, you know, a great development agency over there. And so what you saw, what I saw in the slum was amazing. Um, this was a group of people um, where, where there was just this little seed planted, which was a bunch of Christians who just said, right, we're just going to provide a little bit of a primary education care for the most vulnerable in the slum community. And that then brought in uh, some, uh, some children, but also their mothers. And the mothers were just kind of inspired and struck by this love. They came from a Hindu background. Uh, but then the group, uh, the Christians said, well, look, come on, uh, let's get you organized in a self-help group. So they got organized in a self-help group. And then they started advocating for all sorts of things within the community. And in that journey, they became Christians. And then, they, the, then the, the way they were then living out their faith was in practical loving service to others around them. The more they did that... Um, the more that that practical action, those those wonderful acts of service in the community of all sorts, were really demonstrating and giving authenticity to the spoken word that they were sharing with these mm-hmm. people. There was a real integrity of bringing together uh, of, of if you like, word and deed in a real integral whole. And so you have this wonderful, and now there's a local church there, and it is oh. growing and growing and becoming, and it is known as the place to go, whatever you need in the community, where it is an issue of, uh, whether it's is an issue of, of desperate poverty, whether it is issue of health, whether it is issue of not getting access to education, mm-hmm. they come to the church now, mm-hmm.
0: uh, and, it, I mean, and it does. It's this wonderful virtuous circle, and that kind of thing. Is, that's right. It does not make the word itself more credible in a way, because I think if, if if there is a, um, you know, I the, the word or the invitation of the gospel without any um, kind of flesh simplicity. around it, or, yeah. you know, kind of disembodied word that doesn't mm. have any doesn't point to any kind of real change within the lives of people, that it's. It, there's something slightly lacking in that i think
3: well i, I think, think. Uh, and that's the thing i've been you know before i, so I started working at tfn i had a quite a mainstream secular career as well so working for banks and strategy consulting firms and so on and the thing that really bothered me there that somehow i kept there's this thing in my mind thinking why is my life no different from anybody else's mm. um, I, you know, shouldn't my life be somehow provoking some people to ask some questions of my life and there was also, you know, even just walking to work, somehow my eyes were blinkered to all of the reality uh, of mm. the lives of many people in poverty around me. And there was this, and I think that's the thing, the last two years of Tierfun have just really blown apart the reality that in many ways my witness to Christ as Lord in every part of my yeah. life yeah. was incredibly fragmented and isolated to kind of Sunday, maybe, yeah. a little bit my family, not the workplace. Yeah. And what what is it,
0: why have I struggled so hard to do that? It it raises some other questions that that have come up from um, people who've emailed in to us. Um, Particularly, I think, about the issue of wealth and and how that Mm. operates within the church Mm. and how that affects our our wider witness. So some of the questions we've had are things like, um, does the Western church take Jesus' radical teaching on wealth seriously? Um, Mm -hmm. Or here's another one. "How, how, How has the church managed to sideline the immensely challenging and frequent words that Jesus says about the dangers of riches and that we cannot serve both God and money. So um, what's, what's your reflection on that? I mean, coming from a, a background of working in banks and mm. organizations where there's a lot of money flying around, um, now working in an organization where you're dealing directly mm. with issues of poverty within the wider world, and, and particularly connected to this issue of discipleship. And what, are your, yeah. what are your thoughts on that one, Matthew? Well, Graham, I
3: think it's uh, – I mean, I don't claim to have the answers here, but certainly in my own, on my own journey, what my reflections have been the following – um I think the first thing I've been struck by is that um i have i've actually challenged myself actually do I really believe um uh that Christ is who he says he was do I really believe um uh in his loving purposes loving character and loving nature um have I really grasped in my own life that that is um that, that i really believe that deeply and I was reading um uh, the other day we were looking at Psalm 62, and there's a wonderful right at the end of Psalm 62. If I can just dig it out, um, right at the end of Psalm 62, it says, uh, you know, "One thing God has spoken. Uh, sorry, one thing God has spoken. Two things have I heard: that you, O God, are strong, and that you, O Lord, are loving." Now, do I really believe those two things? I don't think I ever really did. There was a bit of me that just thought, well. Have I really have I really internalized that in a way that actually leads me and drives me to act in a different way? I
0: think I have at all. So do you you think wealth has compromised the Western Church? Yes,
3: I think it has Um, uh, Although I don't think
0: it is the fault of wealth.
3: I think it is the fault that um, If I try to diagnose in my own life, it's because I was a weak Christian maybe uh, and I was not discipled well, so I'd never really wrestled with the question of what does it mean to be a disciple—a whole life, twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, disciple of Christ. Mm. I isolated my first to Sunday, and I became blinkered and narrowed and couldn't see people in poverty around me at all anymore. And I think somehow—and um, uh, also, where do I take, where do I place my hope? If I think, if I'm brutally honest, three, four years ago really everything, you know, wh- wh- where is my confidence? Where is my security? It was in money. It was in my job. I mean, for years, uh, all I wanted to do was get a job with McKinsey, which is the strategy consulting firm. I thought, if I get there, then I will have accomplished life. Uh, in some ways, I will feel good. Um, and so for many years, that's, I was just kind of trying to get work out my way the corporate ladder, because somehow that provided me a sense of... Maybe even pride and a sense of accomplishment and that in the light of others around me I would have made something of my life Um, But there's also the pursuit of money Uh, without the 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 the, the strength of discipleship unfettered pursuit of money all i end up doing is just endlessly pursuing money and wealth because in the future i'm going to have this safe life Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i'll be able to live on the golf course and And so on you can be
0: a disciple once you've got everything secure
3: absolutely one day but that's so it's such a it's such a lie because um as i discovered at mckinsey once i got there this was not the end and actually Mm -hmm. i didn't even like it after five or six years um and it all comes back to relationships again if only i had
2: eyes to see it. So d- should um, all Christians give up working for banks and go and work for charities? I mean, what is, what are those of us who are involved in ordinary day-to-day money-making jobs uh, actually supposed to do in well, response to this
3: Well, as I said, I challenge? don't think it's well, sorry.
2: Like us high uh, earners at the
0: St Paul's uh, State. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> I love the shirts but that you can all seem to what, buy, well, so well, I yeah, certainly right. can't afford those. Well, well, so. Once Mike's won the Michael Ramsey Prize, then we'll all be <laughs> <laughs> facing this issue. But I, I just thinking of this just to just, just, pinpointing this teaching of jesus and he does say does isn't he in the same way those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples i mean that's pretty blunt and pretty harsh difficult and i know i haven't given up everything i have i don't know many people who who have and so you know taking that literally you know we are none
2: of us disciples if we take that exactly
0: that's right so as that kind of text how do we deal with that and how do Mm -hmm. we relate to it that's well i think for those for those of us who
3: are wealthy and let's be clear, that is everybody in this country yeah. mm. compared to those who have so little. Yeah. Well, everybody always says, I am poor, even mm. the rich, yeah. um, because they always compare it to the, the next more wealthy person in the world. Yeah. We're all all—we're all rich. And I think the challenge for us, at least my, my own reflection, is um, it is to rediscover, um, uh, I think, a sense of God's calling in my life. Mm. What is, uh, firstly, God's overarching call on my life? Well, it is to love God and love neighbor. And then I think to wrestle with God uh, in my own life. What does that specifically mean for me in my life? Um, Because I think until I've kind of got a sense of um, God's call and God's lead on my life, within the context of my my role is broadly about loving God and loving my neighbour and remembering that um, the good and the context of the the answer uh, to who is my neighbour. There was the whole discourse on generally people not like us, mm-hmm. I, in in need, around us, mm-hmm. that's who we're called to love. Um, well, then, you know, I've, I've got to start wrestling with, well, what does that really mean for me? Um, and and I think this, the, the, the thin end of the wedge for me is actually going out and making myself vulnerable and just sitting with the people who are in poverty. And it's, as I start doing that and, and being in a relationship with people who are not like me, who are in need, the amazing thing is that it does begin to transform you, mm. to me, because you suddenly start your eyes open.
2: But is that, does that mean that the poor are there to transform the rich? There's a, a, a bit in a, a book by Metz that I always found deeply disturbing, where Metz said that we um, in, the, in the privileged West can borrow the suffering of the poor. And are we are we borrowing the poverty of the poor so as to make ourselves feel better?
3: Well, if the goal is to make ourselves feel better, then of course that's no good. But if the goal is to simply love, as we're called to love, mm. then it's great. My only observation is, though, as you do it, it does transform you.
2: And it presumably means you have to give away some of your wealth you can't actually love a poor person well that's the thing. abstractly can
3: you <laughs> well that's the thing is but, but until I think the great problem is that as wealthy Christians we are not in a relationship yeah. with people who are not like us mm. that's the problem and I think if we were because we isolate ourselves and we use our wealth to us as- isolate ourselves from these issues yes and actually if I was to ask for one thing that I was asked ask people to do in this country it would not be give more money it would be make time to be in relationship with people who are not like you, who are, un, who are wealthy are Because that so will on. expand you, won't it? It if will you, expand if, you. If you
1: simply spend your time with people who
3: it's are about like you, you don't grow. No, exactly. And I think that's – and we're fearful of it. I mean, I know I'm fearful. The two great things that prevent me, I think, really living a life of radical discipleship and service of people in poverty, the two great things I struggle with is, firstly, I have no time. Because, well, that's another problem of wealth, because mm-hmm. it drives complexity in my life. I'm busy earning money for, uh, uh, I have all these things that I love playing with that consume my time. It fills my time. Uh, so there's something about finding time to be in relationship. Because actually loving God and loving neighbor surely is about relationship. And as I know with my own wife, the th- critical number one thing I need to do with Catherine mm-hmm. is invest time in that relationship. So that's the first thing. It's got to be about time, surely. Um, but it has got to be about then being with people in poverty in some context uh, and that's scary for me because i've got no idea how to do it i uh, well, what do i do when i do i say what do i say to them how do i re- you know we fear that mm. but then i that's why i find the matthew 25 kind of quite inspiring um where it just talks about these incredibly simple acts of love and mercy this is nothing big it's just teeny little things that we have to do in the context of that what relationship a kind of glass of water and and all of that so exactly the, you know, yeah you know. i mean,
0: I'm, uh, I guess the I mean, the other thing I suppose that it does, it strikes me about this is, I mean, I think you, I mean, w- one side of it is to build a relationship with those who are different from us. But I guess there is something about Jesus' teaching that does bring us back to wealth and how we deal with it and how we think of our own um, possessions and our money. I mean, there's a statement by Martin Luther who once said, you know, wealth is one of the least of God's gifts, therefore he gives it normally gives it to those to whom he means no good. <laughs> um, which I don't know whether that's true or not, but uh, but I, I, I suppose that this this text of Jesus where he says, you know, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. I suppose that the way I've kind of made sense of that, I think, is to is to think that that, that actually when we do, that, I mean, it's not actually about giving up everything, because if we give up every possession we, we we have, then someone else has to take hold of those, and how, how mm. do they use that? And and there is something about how resources are used, but I think how i would read that would be to say that some um, the when we come to faith we we do in a very real sense give up everything we have that it is now no longer ours anymore mm. it is now god's it re- it returns to the one who who owns it mm. and now in a number of cases god if you like loans that back to us um so that we now have it in our possession but not as ours but as god's loaned back to us to use for his purposes and for his kingdom and that's a fundamentally different thing from saying that these things are now mine for my own use and to, to be disposed in the way that I want them to. And and actually, th- our, our problem, I think, is not so much that we have possessions, but that we don't see them as actually God's loan to us, given to us, you know, so, so that we can use them precisely for his purposes, well, not ours. So, so I th- Sorry.
1: So we have to keep- we don't necessarily have to give it all away, but we do have to give it all up. Yeah, I think and the, that's right. And, and the direction yeah. is actually quite important as well. Exactly.
3: And, and I think that that it, I mean, I'm just reflecting on um, the early church in Acts, um, where we have in Acts four, um, chapter thirty-two, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, yeah. but they shared everything uh, they had. Mm. And verse 34, there were no greedy persons among them. There were no needy, sorry, not greedy persons. There were, <laughs> there were no, I think it's, yeah, no needy persons Although among Although the two, them. two tend to go together. Well, well they right do, here, don't they? Yeah, but, yeah, that, yeah. but that's my yeah. challenge to what, I think, Graham, what you're saying, is because, mm. yes, we need to give up and recognise yep. it is all of God,
0: mm. but we still hoard it. We still hold on to it. We still sure. don't share it. Yeah, and that seems to be what, you know, what the New Testament often complains about for the rich. It's not actually the possession of money, it's the hoarding of money. Yeah. Well, you get it in the book of James, quite, yeah. you know, you know Weep and howl you rich for the miseries that are coming upon yeah. you for you have hoarded your wealth yeah. that's what's that's what's, what's been criticized is the hoarding yeah. of wealth putting it away Just for my yeah. own use and or, or, or it was not used in any <laughs> way at all rather than actually putting it to use for the sake of The wider community the poor and everything.
3: I else. think that's right the I think the challenge though though for a rich Christian mm. to be just told by um, you know, Graham or hmm. Matthew or uh, or uh, any one yeah. of us uh, You know you've got to give up your money mm. I always find that, that, yes, that's right. Of course, it's right. Mm. But there's so much of that is kind of said in the pejorative. You've yeah. kind of must do this. That's come right. on. Yeah, you you just, don't you feel guilty about how all these people and so on. Mm. There is something about, though, um, moving to the positive. Mm. Um, that, And that's why I, I like, uh, for me, I'm finding, and I find so many people who can share the same story where, yes, they were wealthy, but it was not until they were in a relationship with somebody who was poor. Mm. That was direct and personal until they were in that place Mm. and that they could live it and suddenly see everything and be in a place which Mm. That they really understood uh, That kind of put the spotlight on them.
2: So how do we do it Matthew? I mean we can't all go to Sudan or Tanzania and And find a a best friend Mm. in uh, who is desperately poor? How do how do we do it most of us?
3: well I guess the stories that I've come across are, um, firstly, I think you can do what you've just said. Many people um, have been on, I mean, we run these things called transform programs at okay. Tier Fund. Um, but there are many other programs where you go on short-term trips Um, And go and do something that is very practical and it is deliberately made a relational experience that really draws you into the reality of politics You can do that and many people do traveling as well um, uh, As kind of uh, late teenagers and so on But I think there's also a whole ton of things you can do on your doorstep Um, And uh, the one things I'm just trying to begin to practice Um, I'm still not very good at it. I must confess but just trying to stop and talk to people who are just not like me Mm. Um, this might be somebody I uh, somebody I see in a store, a checkout counter, or it might be uh, somebody who I've never spoken to and I know is in trouble uh, at, at my local school where my, my children go. Uh, or it might be that one person who's a little bit difficult and awkward at church on Sunday. It is, there's something about trying to break down my desire to only to relate to people like me. And It's a discipline that I'm slowly cultivating. It is talking, actually stopping, and maybe not stopping at every person you see on the street, but maybe making a point of one person who you keep seeing again and again mm-hmm. to build a relationship with that one individual. Uh, um, you know, th- there are these small little steps that you can take, but there are bigger steps too. There are some fantastic things going on in local churches uh, that are directly in service of people or in that community. Um, I mean you have there are many things that are going on with within the, I mean the beesson projects, for mm. example, where there's mm. all sorts of opportunities to get if only you would look there are thousands of opportunities to get engaged mm. and I guess my encouragement would be start somewhere with a kind of spirit of hospitality mm. i like of engaging and, and being hospitable to anybody you meet with small steps, not big mm. steps, just small steps freely given and freely received i'm sure. Because out of that will then grow. I'm absolutely confident in that will grow bigger steps Um, But I think it's often even making that first step. We often make it too big and it becomes
0: therefore impossible Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Well, I guess it's 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 seeing what we have whether it's time or money Mm -hmm. as a resource which God has given us to bless the world and um, To be a means of the means through which he he blesses the Mm -hmm. world and um again that's a very different attitude to to the things that he's he's given yeah. us, whether it is time or time or money, rather than our default position, which mm. is well, my time and my my, my money is my own. Mm. And it's therefore to bless me, it's of to bless my family and the yes. people around me. Yeah. Uh, whereas actually part of being a Christian, being chosen, is this, this thing of being chosen to be a means of blessing to the yeah, rest of the world. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: But I think the thing, I think it's quite easy to pay lip service to that and say none of my possessions is my own. And of course, if God oh. asked me, I would give them. But you make sure there are no ways that God can ask you. <laughs> so I think the thing that I'm finding quite challenging about what you're saying, Matthew, is, is, is this really fundamental question about where is your security? Yes is it in god yeah or is it actually in how much you've got in the bank yes,
3: yes. i think that's the thing i've struggled most with i mean yeah. i i've um i had a very you know well paid uh, job until i Turn up at Tier Fund, um, and but I'm paid completely adequately at Tier Fund, mm-hmm. and I'm beginning to realise half the things I thought I needed, or thought that I was saving towards, mm-hmm. a complete uh, it's a complete mirage. Mm-hmm. And what I'm finding um, at Tier Fund is I'm being drawn into much more relational living. Mm-hmm. Wherever I turn, I'm being drawn into relationships much more intensively, and I have more time come back to this time thing is so important I mean, we, you know, is how can we carve out more time to be in relationship I mean I have children, four children and they are very demanding under the age of eight, all of <laughs> oh, them yeah. um, and that takes up a lot of time, yeah. TIFFAN's a complicated yes. organisation to run in many respects but, but even there I'm trying to just carve out space uh, to be with people in poverty. When I was in, um, uh, I was one of the most challenging questions I've had was the, the following. Um, in my year and a half at Tearfund, I was asked by one of our partners um, uh, who works in um, the slums of uh, Bangladesh, and he said, Matthew, you say you work with people in poverty. That was his question to me. Uh, he was deliberately being provocative. You say you work with people in poverty, because of course I, I lead Tearfund. And he said, "Okay, yeah, I think so." And he said, "Well, what's their names?" And that really got me thinking because mm. mm. I thought, well, actually I did not know any of their names. Mm. I'm not in relationship with any of these a relationship of love mm. with any of these people I mean of course I'm working towards them, that's a good thing, but that's challenged me in my own life. How do I now make more space mm. just in my own kind of sphere of influence and
0: relationship to be mm. with people who are in need
3: mm. uh, and I yeah, and that mm. is a
0: very um it's something that does. It's kind of like God in a way, isn't it? Because it's that's what incarnation is about. It's God not oh, exactly. just spending time with the people who are yeah. like Him, after exactly. the Trinity. Yes, <laughs> it's actually about yeah. Him transcending exactly. that barrier and coming to people who yeah. in need you and me. Yeah. And uh, and therefore, in doing that, we we do imitate yeah. God in some way. Oh, yeah.
2: And so, you're expanding the concept of what personal means in the question about personal salvation. Mm.
0: Yeah. A yeah.
2: person isn't somebody sitting on their own. Hmm. Yeah. A hmm. person is somebody in relation if we're meant sure. to be trying to image. Well, well, I, I guess
0: your point you're making is that this leads to transformation not just of the society and, and the community around, but actually of ourselves yeah. too. Absolutely. That yeah, that's what, exactly, yeah. that was the point I was trying to make. The, um... So if, if people want to find out more about the Micah Challenge, how do they do that? Is there a website or a Yes,
3: there is um, a, a website, it's www.micachallenge.org.uk, I'm probably gonna get this right, I think. But certainly if you Google Micah Challenge UK, you will find
0: the website. Wonderful. And Micah, for those who don't know, is about M I C A H. Brilliant. Um, Matthew, it's been fantastic to have you with us today. Thank you so much for coming in. It's been great to be here. Thank you. Good. And uh, thank you to Jane, too.
2: It's a very challenging one. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Matthew. Very good.
0: Thank you to Mike, too. Mike has disappeared, actually. He's just vanished from his chair because he had to slip away halfway through. He's gone to spend time with the poor. Yeah, that's right. He was. Exactly. (laughs) So um, we haven't got Mike to say goodbye. But um, wherever you are, Mike, (laughs) Um, it was good to have you with us. So uh, that was uh, God Poor 25. We will uh, be with you again next time. So um, goodbye from me. Goodbye. And from everybody else yes, too. From, from the rest <laughs> of, from of the rest us. Great, <laughs> yeah, right, thank you.
2: That was GodPod, a podcast from the St Paul's Theological Centre. If you want to send us a question, just email it to godpod at htb.org.uk. We can't promise to answer all the questions you send in, but we'll certainly try. Until next time, goodbye.